Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate.
Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. That was Carl and the Passion song, How Do You Get Home? Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you guys doing today? Hello. How are you doing, everybody? Hello, Carl. So, um, okay, so now, so we'll tell Carl and the Passion is a, is a band that I was in back in the 80s. Back in the day. Ba- uh-oh, back in the day. And the reason why I'm playing this stuff is uh, there's a reason for it. It's not just the dredge out old songs. <laughs> We've been thinking the last few weeks uh, about how we might assist music supervisors and people involved in placing music uh, and licensing music for video projects or film or television or some kind of content they might be creating. We've been thinking about how do we create something to help them along and have it be simple, have it not be getting in their way, but having it be a unique experience on how they might experience some music on a daily basis. These folks listen to music incessantly. I mean, they're listening. But before we get to the how, the reason we're playing this old stuff is you have some old great tracks circa 1960, 1970 that you're just sitting on. There's a place for them. They can be viable in like, you know, movies that are circa 1960, 1970. They're looking for authentic, you know, music for the soundtrack. What we're trying to show here is that anything can have a life. Isn't that correct? Yeah, I think that's right. And I, and I think that, um, you know, there, there are basically two kinds of supervisors out there. They're the ones that kind of have an agenda for the new, for the unheard, undiscovered. And, you know, that stuff all always tends to sound real cutting edge. And typically it's used in, uh, in the advertising industry, you know, the stuff that sounds fresh and is brand new. But then you also might be supervising a project where you have to create an environment that does feel like 1983. Well, I agree. I think you're right. I think there are like a lot of supervisors can do both because I think right. there are a lot of music where they find these rare tracks from like old bands that are that are because like I, I shazam some of the stuff and go really that's who that is you know because yep. like some people dig that as well you know it's like really deep for, yeah deep album so, cuts you know so um yep. so anyway so this song how do you get home just just like a, a little short story about it. We played the New York Music Seminar. Remember that, Greg? I think it's where we met back yeah, in, in, yeah, in the man, 90, late 80s. But earlier on, yeah. we, we played it one night. I think it was the Cat Club. There's this guy from England, Dave, I forget his last name, but he owned this label called Neat Records, right? And Neat Records was this metal label, right? Like really thrash metal, 80s metal label from <laughs> you know, out of London. So this guy meets us, comes backstage, he goes, you know, I like what you guys are doing. You know, I, I'm trying, I'm going to try something. I think I want to release like a pop tune, like a little more of a pop tune, you know? I go, sure, you know? So um, we, we signed this little deal with him. We send them over the thing, you know, it just got released in England. And like, within a matter of like, you know, maybe a, a month, it, it, it got, it went shop to number 17, you know, in, uh, in Melody Maker, right? Top 20, yeah. Yeah, top 20, which is kind of cool. So the guy says, you know, guys, the record's kind of doing something. Maybe you guys should come over here, right? We had no money, and, 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 and our people would. So we we never got over there, right? Right. So uh, you so could have we, been what the Beatles were to America. Well, well who knows? Well, we, well, we never we we didn't. <laughs> anyway, we weren't. But the funny thing is, so then like about a month later, after like you know, you guys coming? You guys gonna come? Come on! It, I think we cost like nine thousand dollars. We just couldn't. We were just a bunch of jerks. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So we get a call. Guys, forget it, man. It's, it's, it's kind of sunk like a real Delenka. <laughs> the record's <laughs> over. Yeah, the record's <laughs> over, man. I, I think it's, it's number 245 now. <laughs> so, and that, we lost our little window there. But, um, <laughs> but a funny story, and this is a true story, too. So, so 20 years later, 2007, I'm just Googling around, right? 
I see that record and somebody's asking like, you know, $500 for it. I go, a rarity. I go, what? You know, my single that I, you know, I have a guy, I have a box of them in the corner, you know? Wow. So anyway, so I, I, I contact the guy. The reason it, it has nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with us because Neat Records was this exclusive metal label from like 1977 to 1994. And everything they released was metal except for this one pop record <laughs> <laughs> that didn't do nothing. And, and so my record is a rarity in the Neat Record, you know, just in that me. catalog as well. Oh, yeah, I get right, it. So, yeah, that's, that's fun. So I, yeah. so I contacted the guy and said, listen, man, I'm the guy. I'm Carl. I'm Carl Sebastian. You know, so. <laughs> Let me know if you sell that for 500 I got a I, whole box of them I here. I got a box of them, man. <laughs> anyway, so that's the story about that. Those record collectors, man, that's kind of a different breed, right? So, I mean, I've heard thousands of records throughout my life that I've celebrated the music industry. And and I'm and I'm extremely passionate about music in general, but I I've never I didn't get the collector gene. I don't either don't particularly I, either, care either, what label it's I. on. I don't particularly care what you know what the album looks like. Any of that. Well, I, well, I like that. I used to like reading the album, and knowing some of the stuff, but yeah. but like I was never like I used to have this friend. Matter of fact, he just called me today. He's one of my friends I still keep in touch with from high school. And he was this nut with everything was in plastic. Every record had to be clean before put oh, on. Oh, yeah. yeah. He held yeah. it like, you know, on his in his palms. He couldn't touch the record. Oh, no, no, no. A crazy man about his records. You know, I go, yep. he had a special way of putting it on. Forget it. So I, yeah, I was just <laughs> like, my records will scratch. And they're, they're well, I mean, I, I, I absolutely love it. And, you know, and they provide such an amazing service because, you know, some guys go to the next level, which is they collect all this stuff. And then you know, they'll find themselves a little radio show or God forbid, maybe even do a podcast, but they'll share their collection with the world. There's a guy, Bob Irwin, that um, I I just think he's a a genius when it comes to sharing his uh, record collection. Well, do you have a turntable? Yeah. I have a turntable and there's nothing like putting a record on though. I love playing music, you know, on my, you know, in my system and stuff, you know, my digital and Spotify, but there's something about putting a record on that and that sound it makes. And, and then like when it hit drops of the needle and like, yeah, again, the whole tactile thing. I right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, there's a bit of nostalgia to it too. Since we're doing this. So explain what we're starting now, Greg, it's called. Yeah. What, what, what sync I was, index. What I was, yeah. What I was speaking about earlier was the idea we were trying to come up with a way in which we could kind of simplify the life of these music supervisors that really do have their finger on the pulse of what people need in order to create those. Well, they're the, they're the gatekeepers that we need to get through. Yeah, to. well, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think it goes deeper than that. I think that they're working with the people that are creating the films. They're working pretty closely with the directors. And so I know they're busy. I just want to make their lives a, a little bit easier. So what we came up with was the idea we're going to be sending music in a very simple email format. Yeah, and we're calling it Sync Index. So it's... um relates to uh, syncing that music into uh, some uh, audio visual feature. Well, and I think too, we're, we're going about it in a way where everything we're going to be sending is like extreme quality. Like they're going to get songs that 
can be syncable like right then and there if they want it or if they need it for a project, you know, two or three years down the road, it's still there for them. So yeah, we'll have the, we'll have yeah, the ability it's, it's, to connect it's not them where with like, the you know, right? It's not where you're just like anybody and their brother can just upload and submit and we have 8 billion tracks and 6 billion of them are garbage, you know. It's like, it's kind of curated, you know. The bu- it, yeah, the buzzword is curated. It's artists that we know, that we that we love and, and, we, and we work with and we've had on the podcast or we've dealt with in, in other, other ways and and you know we're going to help them you know get their music out there you know in you know because right now that's i think syncing is the way to go you know with, with for new indie artists you know it's the way to get the ball rolling i think well i think it's more viable than um hoping that you end up on a playlist and and you garner a few million streams and you make 40 bucks. I was going to say, well, I think it's uh, also a little bit more work than trying to hope that you get mm, on a playlist, but mm. I think the payout is definitely way more rewarding. One little tip I'll give everybody if they don't do it, you know, whenever you put your stuff up on DistroKid or TuneCore or whoever, pay the extra four ninety five or whatever it is to make sure that you get put into Shazam because I don't know how many people I've discovered through Shazam. You know, so you got to make sure that if your music is out there, even if, you know, that you have that extra little thing where you can be Shazam because it's worth it because like because people will find you and then who knows? You know what I'm saying? Yep. Frankly, I've been shocked for years that Shazam hadn't gotten into that space. Anyway, this next song is, is again, I, I want to do a song. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, do another this next one. one you, you, could, you could tell the programming, the 80s programming and stuff and the drum computers and stuff, but this is called uh, Over and Over. It's about, it's about, basically, you know, it's funny, all these songs in retrospect, when you listen to them, it's about me being a jerk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're like, you know, all these women who I, I, I would date, and then I would like, you know, get annoyed with them and they would hate me. And then now looking back, it's because I was an idiot. So that's what Over and Over is about. Listen, here you go. Just a way to pass the time 
programming is so Prince. What I love about this song, because I probably listened to it four or five times today um, before we even recorded this podcast, I think there's an, a whole untapped potential for music like over and over and again to be in the reality TV world. I am a big Real Housewives of X whatever city, you know, you put it in, I've probably seen it. <laughs> and every time I listen to it, the Real Housewives of the OC and the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills came to mind. And I'm like, this would be the perfect song for that. Even though it's from the 80s, like the women grew up in the 80s and everything they do is kind of what the song's about. So. Well, well, well another fun. thing what's kind of happening, maybe I'm wrong, but because everything is getting so mishmots and so retro and this and that, you can't tell what's 80s or what's new retro. You know, like, you know, some of this old stuff can almost sound new, you know, if it's done right, you know, so. I, I remember when we featured Calm, that band from the UK, and when we when we were listening to their tracks, I was like, there is no way that this was done last year. But it was because these yep. guys are just that's what they're really doing. adept at these influences. Yeah. It's fun for me to play this stuff and, and to hear it again, you know. But um, yeah. another special thing about the new thing we're starting, uh, it's Sync, S-Y-N-C, the letter N, and then Dex, Sync Index. A lot of times, you know, they want it explained how, what kind of mood it is and like, you know, what was the artist thinking and they want to write a little down. What we're going to have include is before the song plays, we're going to have the artists themselves on tape. They're going to describe it for describe the first the song, 30 seconds. For the first 30 seconds. So I think it gives a little bit of a personal touch to it, a little something different. I don't know. So Well, and I think too, um, from the beginning, if we at least... If you think about music supervisors, they're they're wearing so many hats when they're doing um, certain projects that they may not necessarily have the time to like read the description. But if they hit play and immediately know like, okay, this is you know more pop, this is more moody, they can always skip next and not even have to listen to the song, but index it for later. So I think yeah. that's kind of the brilliance so of what we created. Like you know, <laughs> metadata audiobooks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the other thing, the other thing for me is that the thing for me is that in the DSP world and the digital service provider world of today, I mean, everybody is claiming all these different services that they're that you know that they're putting out there to make the music industry work better. And the reality of it is, it's all a bunch of gobbledygook. And so I, I'm really interested in building things and doing things that are simplified, very simplified, because there's just too much of everything out there right now. So a, a little aside here, this is a weird thing. There's a, someone just purchased the statue. I don't know where it is. Maybe in France, somewhere in some courtyard for $18,000. And it's invisible. Yeah. That's Stop the whole it. NFT. The whole NFT. No, it's, it's not even NFT. It's an, the guy says it's an N. <laughs> It's, it's, there's nothing. It's, it's just, a, a, there's a, no tangibleness to it. It's space. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. I actually find this hysterical. Well, well yeah, someone just bought this space. It's, it's a joke. It's a joke. I just read that Babe Ruth's pre Yankee baseball cards are sold for $6 million. One baseball card. Like, come on. What's wrong with, there are people starving. There are people who can't, you know, pay for their health care, but people are buying baseball cards for $6 million. What the point is that? It, well, if it is, the, if world. it is the, I mean, we haven't done an episode on this and I'm, I'm not sure that we have enough information about it to, to be uh, entertaining and or informative about it. But fact of the matter is that. Yeah, excuse, if you, me, excuse me, excuse yep. me. 
I never let my lack of knowing about something <laughs> get in the way of me discussing it. Talking, so. the, the fact Uh-oh. of the matter is that... Uh... <laughs> never allow your having no knowledge of a, of a subject stop you from p- pontificating about that subject. Okay? <laughs> I, I don't believe that. I mean, if if, if people need a reason uh, in order to speculate about the their interest in a particular thing and then have whoever created that thing, you know, be compensated, if they need a new currency in order to support artists, knock yourself out. But I don't understand why we can't just send artists money and allow them to create. Well, hold on. So I, I had to research this really quickly just because I was very intrigued by it. So apparently... You found what I was talking about? Yeah, it's in, it's in the New York Post. So apparently the 67-year-old explained that you don't have to see it, but it exists. It's made of air and spirit. And the auction house that lined it up estimated oh, the value boy. between seven and $10,000 and it sold for $18,000. But it's nothing. It's nothing. It literally is a vacuum of space. But that is, I mean, if, if the artist came up with the concept of it being air and spirit if he is standing there on the, at the side of this imaginary thing and he's got his fishbowl out there or his guitar case open, if you want to put $18,000 into his guitar case, just do it. You know, that's my point. I mean, it's like, why do I have to consider that I've taken ownership of something that might have some fungible value as opposed to non-fungible? It's ridiculous. So apparently this isn't his first invisible work as well. In February, he debuted his first piece that was invisible to the human eye in Milan. And he just recently, I think this week, debuted another one in the New York Stock Exchange. I'll write him an imaginary check for $20,000. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here you go. You want to play this next song before that his last song? Because I want to yeah. talk about it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. This is one. This is a song that I, I played. This is where we're starting to get really raucous, you know? And also, it's it's truly me, like, screaming out. Well, let me play the song, and then on the other side, I'll tell you what it's about. But it's called Who's Gonna Love Me? Nothing wrong To visit where you can 
I think that's my favorite of all three. It's a true song, you know, because like I that was when I was getting to the close of realizing that, you know, guitar licks kind of reminiscent of some Bowie things, you know. Yeah, well, I, I was definitely into Bowie and Adrian Blue and Robert Fripp and all that kind of great stuff back yeah. then, you know, and you know, just a lot of flanger and like echo and stuff. And you ended up working with uh, one of Bowie's guys, yeah, right? Reeves Gabrell, you know, yeah. later on, you know, that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's about like who's gonna love me? Like, you know, all this I've been disillusioned my whole life, pretty much. You know, I don't know about a lot of artists out there, but I've always been one of those searching disillusioned people you know like i you know i get this thing and then you know okay now what you know okay okay now this thing okay you know i got this now what do i do well what's funny is i don't think i'm not sure that uh i'm not sure that you know that in your more private moments and, and 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 in a lot of ways you know this this podcast was born out of kind of it was kind of the uh, further exploration of our friendship you know it's, it's called 9420 because we met in 1994 and we started this podcast in 2020 and i don't know if you know or not but you can be positive and you can be supportive. And there have been times in my life when you've called me and you've picked me up as opposed to allowing me to be disillusioned about something or other. So I think one of the keys, and I don't know why we've gone down this path of pontificating about uh, Because we speak life. of nothing we know. Right, right. Um, I think one of the keys in life is to just see beauty wherever you can find it. And when you stop seeing beauty, you got to reorganize. You got to figure you it gotta out. You got to go find it somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new one. That's new. <laughs> All right. Yeah, at least, at least baby out. Carla has not made an appearance. Let's get out of here. Let's yeah. get out of this episode. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the 9420 Podcast. For everything that we've talked about throughout this show, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Say goodbye, Greg. Bye. <laughs>